0: Welcome in, this is Eric McKinney, joined by Daryl Rideau, and, and Daryl, here we are, uh, Monday morning cornerback following the Arizona State game. USC escapes, escapes, I, I think being kind of a, an apt word, 31-26 uh, to 26 win uh, against Arizona State at Arizona State. The win gets USC to six wins on the season, bowl eligible, that's not something that you could say uh, last year and last year saying that they were not bowl eligible is not something that you can say a lot about a USC program. So that that's sort of one step. The fact that you're 10 games into the season saying you're bowl eligible is not, you know, the kind of season that that you wanted, uh, especially when you really needed sort of a, a bounce back year from what happened last season at, at five wins. But that. The whole state of the program, all that conversation—that that's going to wait a little bit. Let, let's go into the the actual game. Um, that first quarter, G- give me your thoughts about that first quarter. USC jumps out twenty-eight to seven. Uh, they go four drives right off the top, touchdowns every drive goes at least seventy-five yards. Uh, this looks like something where they could end up scoring what two hundred points, three three hundred points. I mean, it, it looked like. <laughs> they could offensively name their score in that first quarter. What, what did you like? What did you see? What was USC really doing there early to have that much success, uh, specifically through the air, but really offensively, whatever they did?
1: Well, the first thing that I would say is the, the one characteristic that I really love about this team is their resilience. They seem to compartmentalize from a week-in and week-out basis, and good or bad, whatever happened – they tend to focus and lock in for this particular game. And despite all of the the challenges that this season has presented, they actually went on a road somewhere that hasn't been too friendly to them into what I would consider to be uh, a hostile environment in Arizona State because as erratic as Arizona State is, they're still a fairly talented team that poses its own problems if and when they stay out of their own way. So, to watch USC prepare all week with the game plan and be able to implement that game plan, especially with Keaton Slovis being that it was a homecoming for him, considering he had played his high school ball in the state of Arizona, it was remarkable to watch how efficient that this offense is and how much production you can get out of it. I believe that at one point we had Keaton Slovis ending the first quarter. 15 of 17 for like 297 yards, four touchdowns. And yeah. he just looked like this offense was, like you said, on pace to, to, to put up prolific numbers. But, you know, and if we're just focusing on that, let's talk about the highlights of that first quarter. We saw some, some um, heroic plays from the likes of Amon Ross St. Brown, but, but also uh, Drake London showed up, and he made some crucial catches in, uh, from the slot position, and I really think that I love the way that Graham Harold is using the offensive personnel, extending plays with using Drake London as um, a hybrid tight end slash wide receiver, but it was some play, certain plays that Keaton Slovis was able to perform in that first quarter, being backed uh, near his own end zone on a third and seven and having the moxie and a wherewithal to throw it in between um, two defenders and, and hit Amon Ross St. Brown in stride was the money ball. And that was probably one of the greatest throws that I've seen in years, especially coming from a USC quarterbacks. So hats off to them for the way that they prepared to go on the road that hasn't been too friendly for them and getting off to such a fast start. Because it was going to take every bit of that fast start to hold off um, Arizona State as the game wore on.
0: I agree. I think you look at this team this year and again you have to you have to sort of chisel away all the negativity surrounding everything right because that that's the thing that clouds every single thing every time this team goes out, every uh, end ending score, whatever it is win or lose that there's always it feels like that sort of heavy cloud of this is probably not the right long-term answer in terms of how this coaching staff is put together because there are so many issues that you see. But that being said, boy, if you just look at the, at the players and how they respond to, let's face it, this injury situation this year, I mean, it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. I mean, the, the guys right. that are at the same time the number of guys at specific positions uh, that you're losing, losing two guys at the center and a quarterback on the same play uh, against Arizona State in the third quarter. I mean, there are just things that don't happen to teams that is happening to USC. Being down to a guy that started the season as your fifth string running back with absolute plans to redshirt him, and now you're looking at, you know, he's been the bulk, that being true freshman Keenan Christen, He's been the only running threat that you've had uh, for for a couple weeks now. For a couple and weeks. I, just yeah. don't, I, I think that you do have to talk about when you talk about on field performance, I, I think you absolutely do have to bring all of that into it. And I think you do have to say that you have to give a lot of credit to these players for the way they've adjusted to that sort of stuff, for the way certain guys have stepped up, because you know guys talk about, you know, we don't listen to off the field noise. We don't, we're not on social media. We don't see all that. We, you know, we don't do all that. They, they feel it. They, they absolutely they feel, yeah. understand what's going on with the program, the perception of it from the fan base and from outside and, and, you know, potentially the, these being the last couple games with Clay Elton there. But I do think that they, they have risen up. And when there are plays to be made in tight games for the most part, they've made them And, and, and you're talking about a true freshman quarterback doing that. You're talking about a lot of new faces uh, in the secondary that have done that. And I think that I think this is a positive season overall so far from what we've seen. And I know we started talking about, we're going to, we're going to talk about this individual game, but that that's going to, going to morph here a little bit. I, I think that you do see it as a positive. Now the issue is uh, yeah. you, you combine that with last year and, there's maybe not enough when you go back a couple years and you're talking about a Pac-12 championship and, and, uh, you know, before that a Rose Bowl win and these didn't feel like true rebuilding years to, to what they've been. But what, I, I mean, your thoughts overall on kind of how, I, I mean, elaborate a little bit. You you mentioned how players have responded and all that. What, what's your take kind of as a former player, when you see guys go down like that, how has this team responded? Is, is there something there to kind of, you know, give give fans hope that again the the roster and kind of the, the program as it's constructed now could turn that corner and, and could get things going. Again, I don't think we're suggesting at all that you know <laughs> right. Elton is, is the guy to do that in the long run, but it does feel like that you know, there are pieces here and, and this thing could get fixed uh, relatively quickly.
1: You know, this is a senior class that has been through just everything that one can can fathom. If you go back to any red-shirt seniors who have been through, you know, the changing of the guards at the from the athletic uh, the athletic director down to just the turmoil with and the dysfunction from the coordinator positions. So this this the group when we talked about the resilience of this group, you got to give credit to the leadership. Guys like uh, Michael Pittman Jr., um, who just really just comes to work blue collar like and doesn't care about all the white noise around him, but just seems to make plays when his team needs it most. And when you're breaking in, the guy, a guy like Keaton Slovis at the quarterback position. The worst thing that you can have is so much dysfunction and turmoil amongst the other positions that it prevents you from being able to effectively trust and do your job. But because the veterans, the fact that he's had the core portion of his wide receiving group from uh, Pittman to Amon Ross St. Brown to Tyler Bonds intact, that familiarity allows for him to go back and trust that guys are going to be where they're supposed to be. And I think it's because of that trust in one another that we're seeing, despite all of the adversity that they're facing, an offense that can be at times as explosive as anyone in the country. Now, on the defensive side, I don't think that the defense going into the season could ill afford to have injuries at certain key positions as they've suffered. When you take away Hufunga and and what he has meant as a strong safety to this defense, and you replace him with, with corners virtually playing out of position, that learning curve and that, that, instinct, that instinctive play that you're missing has reared its head at times. But considering all of that, again, going on the road with, with so much questions, I just love the fact that the guys out there, they fought. And it's sloppy at times, and sometimes when it gets off the hinges, it, it really does look um, pedestrian. But when they are in sync and they play the way that they played in the first quarter, it is really special and something to marvel at when you think about how much talent this program will have moving forward. So I think that the core group that is gaining much value experience will benefit the Trojans moving forward. But again, there's still a lot of football left. And by uh, coming out with the victory against Arizona State on the road, going up to Cal, you still got a chance for these Trojans to finish the season strong in the month of November. And it's been a long time since we have truly said that and really meant it, you know, and I'm not certain that even if they went out, depends on how you went out with style points is going to either change our narrative. Because if you're Clay Helton and you're a fan of Clay Helton, you can make the argument that how many other coaches in the country can, you know, go through three quarterbacks, and in, in still try to salvage the season the way that he is able to, considering you're breaking in another offensive coordinator. Um, but again, there's just too many areas that you depended upon that continue to let this program down. Like considering the continuity and chemistry from the special teams coordinator and John Baxter. And then you think of Clancy Pendergast and the lack of pressure. Once again, we're talking lack of pressure and turnovers that his defenses are not creating to 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 give that offense an opportunity to really showcase and feature all the talent that is over
0: there. Yeah, you look at that first quarter USC outgained Arizona State 330 to 1 in terms of total yards. The rest of the game, Arizona State 338 total yards, USC 217 total yards. And I know USC is working with uh, a backup center, you know, for for the last half of that game and or, or you know, close to the last half and then Matt Fink in uh for for a drive but the Matt Fink drive ended in a field goal which was absolutely important you know when when you look at sort of how that final drive for Arizona State played out and also the fact that it took USC up 11 points and gave you a little bit of of breathing room there so that that's sort of a tough thing to see right When, when it looks like it's getting off to such a strong start and then things things just fell apart for them. And it's, you know, it's stuff like, you know, a wide receiver having a false start when, when you're going to go for a fourth and short or, or when you're backed up and you have another uh, false start on, you know, on a, on a punt. Uh, that sort of thing. You're coming out of a timeout and you have a false start. There, there's just so many little things like that. The, the personal fouls, again, Elijah Griffin gets flagged for something after the play. You know that that's a couple weeks in a row now where you've had that. It's little things that just kind of eat at this program right now. Where when again, I you know we go back to it a lot. Clay Helton sat there at the at the beginning of spring ball, and it was you know discipline in terms of penalties and turnovers. USC won the turnover battle against Arizona State, which that was not an expectation coming in. Arizona State's right. number two uh, in the Pac-12 in turnover margin, but. You know, playing with that backup quarterback that Arizona State had, which you, you mentioned, kind of pressure, and that's that's something we'll hit on a little bit. Um,
1: but but, but, but Barry, I think that you, was big, that was big to for it.
0: USC to, to be able to win that turnover battle because that's not something that they've been able to do, and I you know that that probably won them the game because they couldn't right. figure it out offensively after that first quarter.
1: But but no, you alluded to it, and again, just having continuity with Isaiah Palamau being back. At the uh, this you know his free safety position and how big has he been over the last two weeks? Of course, he got ejected in the Oregon game, so who knows how he may have impacted that game had he had remained in the game. But forcing a turnover there uh, against an offense that rarely ever threw interceptions when you when you think about Oregon, and then to come back and once again Johnny on the spot being in the right place um, and, and coming up with the crucial turnover. But it, again, we talked about it you know, it's not getting off to the fast start. It's just what's happening in the second quarter when this team goes off script. And just whether it's it's self-imploding with the penalties or special teams play, but I mean, over the last two weeks, you know, you gave up 20, you, you lost the second quarter, 28 to seven to Oregon, um, which really kind of ignited their route. And then against Arizona State, you know, you go goose egg, like you said, you know, and, and, and you get outscored there six to nothing albeit it was only six to nothing, um, considering, did they miss uh, an extra point, was it, or was that uh, as a result of two field goals?
0: Uh, Yeah, missed an extra point.
1: That's what it was, Uh, but it's just when those things happen as a player, and it becomes a systemic thing, because it's happened over uh, the course of the season, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again, here comes that avalanche. How do we overcome that? That's when guys start pressing. That's when you start seeing guys trying to play hero ball. And for the most part, the, it, you almost kind of got the sense that uh, Arizona State was going on this run, and USC wasn't going to have any any answers for it. But going into halftime, you know, and only having given up uh, a touchdown to Arizona State, I think helped them. But again, against the better teams that that you face. These are the things that after, you know, this portion of the season um, to to close out October and to start November, you would like to see them shore up. But again, with so many musical chairs in terms of uh, key players being in and out of the lineup, it's very, very challenging for this coaching staff to find chemistry and continuity. And I'm not trying to uh, to, to cast any type of um, reasoning or logic or explanations for why these things are occurring. But what I do know is when I look to my right and I look to my left as a player and I start seeing guys that are normally on the sideline, maybe joking and, 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 um, and not as prepared, as as the guys that I'm used to playing next to simply because they don't have the experience on the field and they're not reacting as quickly as I might be reacting, having more experience of, of playing time. When you start looking at those things, all it takes is a half a second hesitation and now all of a sudden you see a running back hitting the corner up the field. And those are the things that no matter how much you game plan or prepare for, you cannot substitute the on-the-field on the experience that USC lacks at critical positions.
0: So I'm, I'm going to open up some, some defensive analysis for you. Uh, USC, uh, against an Arizona State offensive line that was starting a couple of true freshmen and not a great offensive line, USC gets a sack on the first drive of the game on a third and 10 Uh, to set up a punt. And and it looks like, again, Arizona state comes out on their first drive. They go minus five yards. It looks like USC has some answers up front and they're going to put pressure on, on Jody, Jody Yellen, the, uh, the Arizona state quarterback all game long. That's it. That's their one sack. Then you go look at some of these touchdown passes and it's, you know, Isaac Taylor Stewart gets beat inside. Elijah Griffin gets beat inside and and Isaac Taylor Stewart again, gets beat kind of outside, just on, just on a guy, sort of running past him, and a nice throw again. It, it, was, um, it was set up well where the wide receiver stays inside. The ball sort of fades outside. He gets a, a touchdown, and it's a long touchdown pass. What happened, A, up front, and then, B, with, with the secondary in that game where it, it was really kind of the first time um, in a little bit where it felt like guys in that secondary just were either unprepared or just not ready to kind of match up one-on-one in those situations. And then, again, we mentioned USC gets a sack on that first drive. Drake Jackson almost had one uh, a little bit later, but then just unable to put pressure, uh, serious pressure on Arizona State's quarterback for for the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, I think this this was a game where the game plan just really truly let the Trojans down defensively. Um, I I saw a lot of under fronts where you had more guys kind of hovered up against the line of scrimmage, really trying to take away the passing, I mean, the running game, and were effective at times. But when you started doing that, now all of a sudden you take a strong safety like Talanala Kufunga and you move him from being up high, showing a two safety high and maybe creeping down into um, the, at the linebacker depth. Now you got him starting off at linebacker depth and then creeping down and hovering around the line of scrimmage to help with the run game. Then you take away Isaiah Palomalo because of, the, by, by virtue of, the, of the, uh, the scheme that Arizona was featuring with three receiver sets, you start to shave him outside. You see the middle of the field vacated, no safety high. And as a result of that, I don't care how good of a corner you are. If two things occur, you give up leverage and your technique fails you, you will be beat. And in in, in the instance that we saw with these corners giving up the inside routes, those were skinny posts where there was no presence or no threat of a deep defender that could at least alter the throw of this true freshman quarterback and yelling out of uh, Mission Viejo who caught rhythm and all of a sudden just really kind of found his groove and, and, and gave USC fits. But again, much of that has to do with the commitment that USC is trying to make to really um, uh, slow down an effective running game to the detriment of the pass. So if you're asking your corners to hold up, then you can't ask them to be in press coverage. And you certainly can't ask them to cover both the inside and outside of the field. Because based on alignment, where the receivers are lined up on the interior part or the inside low bottom part of the numbers... Now all of a sudden you give them 13 yards to the sideline plus the middle of the field to work with, it is virtually impossible because the receivers have multiple directions and the corner is always taught Eric to take away something. And in some regards, if you're going to take away the inside by shading inside technique, then there's no way that you can allow for a corner, I mean a receiver to cross your face. But when the receiver gives an outside stem and they're in the corner adjust to that now, all of a sudden, they open up the gate, meaning you take your inside shoulder and you hinge it like you're opening up a door. That's what the corners were doing. So now you're giving free releases to these wide receivers. So what did Clay uh, Clancy Pendergast do to try to uh, negate that? He went a lot of two high safeties. It was either quarters or, or cover two at times where I thought, what was hurting them were the crossing routes and those inside slants. So he should have went man under too deep, show a too high safety, and have the corners with the ability to rob the underneath routes. But because he failed to go into those type of schemes, he left the corners with a lot of holes in that defense because the linebackers were committed to taking the runaway at the line of scrimmage. So by virtue of scheme and alignment alone, they were already beat before the play took
0: place. And then up front, what what did you see in terms of USC's inability to to put pressure uh, on on Arizona State's, uh, again, you mentioned that the focus was stopping the run. And and, Eno Benjamin was largely invisible uh, for that game. Two fumbles, he lost one of them. Anytime Eno Benjamin is not the guy hurting you when you're playing Arizona State, I, I feel like that's overall a good thing. Uh, for your defense but boy it felt like when Jaden Daniels was ruled out of that game another true freshman quarterback for Arizona State who's played the whole season for them and is really dynamic with his arm and his legs felt like once he was out USC was going to be able to open things up against Joey Yellen and just kind of bring pressure and really rattle him it seemed like as the game went on he got more and more comfortable and USC was never really able to fully uh, throw him out of rhythm, and, and then it's only a, a drop by uh, Arizona State's tight end on that last drive, and then a really great play from Christian Rector to come up with the interception uh, that that effectively ends the game.
1: you, you, you know, for me, I, I thought it was just a matter of guys not um, guys being in too long on the defensive front. You think about Christian Rector and what he's had to do to overcome injury just to get back on the field. Then you wonder out there in the desert on a warm day, how much of his conditioning really paid a factor in the lack of rotation uh, and quality of depth. I thought the interior part of the defensive line, which is always stout, was on the field way too long. And there wasn't enough rotation of bodies like there was maybe to start the season that really kind of reared its head. And as a result of that, now all of a sudden, you know, uh, Arizona State with uh, Joey Yellen, you talked about, he start to go up-tempo, getting the ball out a little bit quicker. And I, what I saw was I saw a tired defensive line. And and then all of a sudden you start getting hit with injuries. I think with uh, Peely came out for us, uh, a few plays. Um, trim, trim yeah, away. they
0: started the game without Marlon Tui-Pelotu, which, which was obviously a, a big hit. He has a back uh issue and then they lost Caleb Tremblay uh dur- yep. during during that game too so again we mentioned injuries off the top that, that's a real thing that's hitting a lot of important it's a positions.
1: real thing it, it, and it is and so well, now all of a sudden you're rotating uh, uh, again guys that that fulfill certain body styles and body types that can command a double team all of a sudden you're not getting that same penetration and as a result of that, I thought the offensive line for Arizona State, as the game went wrong, was able to chip um, the, de- the defensive line and then kind of get to that next level just enough to, to, to really combat. But all season long, USC, with the exception of maybe Drake Jackson, has struggled to manufacture a consistent pressure. And as a result of that, uh, Clancy has to dial up more blitzes, get more guys in the box, things like that. Um, so uh, when I say it, it Much of it has to do with the scheme. I think that the injuries that you cannot ignore impact the scheme that he should be running versus just keeping healthy bodies on the field versus things that guys can execute. So again, after watching the game a second time and taking the emotions out, I kind of got a sense of what they wanted to do. And for the second week in a row, it felt like USC was confident about their game plan. Um, there was a play early in the um, in the game where John Houston was in great position and deflected a pass, uh, a, a yelling pass, but it ends up in the hands of, a, of, a, of an offensive player. And, and those are kind of fluke plays that kind of happen. That's not going to beat you. What beats you is when guys are tired and there's, there's not enough bodies to rotate where you can get high production when the next guy comes in. And that's, I think that's more than anything else is what we saw against Arizona state in that dry climate where you really do need to keep fresh bodies, a rotation of six or seven guys on the front defensive line. And we weren't
0: seeing that. What's your kind of first blush looking ahead at Cal USC goes on the road again. Uh, It's an eight o'clock kickoff at Cal uh, you know, it's it's a road trip technically, but you know, certainly um local enough where you don't worry about, you know, having to fly to Washington State or, or going out to Colorado or anything. But Cal got their quarterback, Devin Monster, back uh, against Washington State. They beat Washington State. Cal had been on a real slide and just unable to do, you know, anything offensively for, for weeks at a time. But they've got a big back in, in Chris Brown Jr. And defensively, Evan Weaver in the middle feels like he almost makes tackles in other games that are going on. Uh, he, he is all over the place and a guy that you definitely have to account for. But where, where do you see USC, uh, again, not, not breaking down the full game, but just kind of first thoughts about them going up to Cal on Saturday?
1: You know, it's interesting because this kind of feels like it should be a payback game for USC, considering that many would argue that the the win that Cal put up against USC extended uh, Justin Wilcox. Um uh, his, uh, his coaching career at Cal because right after that game or shortly thereafter that game, they gave him a couple of years of extension. But when you think about how they started off 4 and0 and really had some impressive victories against Washington and I would argue they even Ole miss in North Texas um, were quality wins. okay you, and then all of a sudden you hit the teeth of their schedule and they go on that four game slide. And and you understand why, because like you said, they went through several quarterbacks, just like USC. And so when you think about when they go through a quarterback slide, it costs them four games in a row versus the quality of um, of depth that USC has at the quarterback position, how they're still able to be competitive. You just don't know what you're going to get, because many would argue that the win against Washington State, 33 to 20 by Cal, kind of felt like a controversial victory for them. But this is a team that just, you know, it seems like um, Justin Wilcox always seems to game plan well against Clay Helton. How he does against this air raid, I'm curious. But again, the fact that he just went up against a Washington State team and held them to 20 points gives you a sense of you know, he may have something dialed up. And, and with, like you said, the, uh, the athleticism of Weaver and the rest of those linebacking corps, I think that they like their chances. They can get pressure and they can force and dictate. That's what concerns me most because on the road where the ball can be careless for USC, if you allow for this, this team to gain its confidence and, and that defense to start dictating three and outs, it could put a lot of pressure on the, on the defense that is still trying to figure out and solve some answers within. So this is an interesting matchup because under normal circumstances, I'd probably just chop this up as, an, uh, as, a, as a loss for Cal and a victory for USC. But you can't say that right now because USC gets off to such a fast start, but then all of a sudden they allow teams to get back into the game. And it's because of that right there you have to give Cal a fighting chance regardless of who's at their quarterback position.
0: Yeah, I think it's always interesting when a team plays Washington State and then USC comes in. And without a lot of those running backs, USC is is more like Washington State than they want to be. It's going to be fascinating. Steven Carr and Vivai Malapay, they both warmed up in full pads for the Arizona State game. then neither of them played, got out of pads before the game started. Keenan Kristen back there is doing absolutely everything he can. He is not a 15 to20 carry a game lead back right now. He, he might be in two, three, four years, uh, but right now he's not. So if those guys can come back and Keenan Christian can start playing off another guy who maybe can be that lead back. There you go. Yep. I think you get some of that run game back in this offense and then when you're looking at, you know, 3rd and 1 and 3rd and 2s that have been, you know, pass pass plays uh not every time but but you know, a chunk of the time the last few weeks certainly uh once you lost Marquis step. Right. If right. those can go back to runs and maybe you can balance things a little bit. Uh, you're you know you're you're not Washington State, and you can give Cal you know something to think about. but I, I look at this Cal game and you mentioned kind of of a, a, a revenge game. Boy, you look at last year. I don't know if anything sums up last year more than that Cal game. go going right. in, <laughs> going into halftime, up fourteen, nothing. Cal could do nothing offensively. Uh, you, you had sort of a late fumble that maybe took points uh, off the board right before halftime. And then to, to do what USC did in the second half with the, the safety on the, the snap over the quarterback's head and just right. that second half was like that, it, it felt like the whole year. That, it, that it, it, second it, half of Cal. So, so I, think I, I USC couldn't agree was with you more. Fired up. I could not
1: agree with you more. But selfishly, if you're looking at either whether it's Stephen Carr or Vive Malapai, um, which, you know, if either one of them gets healthy, for me, selfishly, I'd like to see Vavai, Malapad, because I think that from a complimentary role of what you get from Keaton Kristen, and I love the way that Graham Harold is now finding ways to use him out of the backfield. This is a guy near and dear to my heart, uh, you know, as a former U, um, California State 100-meter champion coming out of high school, watching him on the field and the grace and the speed that he runs with, Using and exploiting his skill set out of the backfield, regardless of who the linebackers are, is a matchup that you like if you're USC. But to get someone like Malapai to be able to kind of run in between the tackles to force those defenses to have to commit to the running game allows you to open up for those boots and waggles and those play action passes that were unfortunately unable to to see right now because USC is so predictable and I believe I thought I saw a stat where USC only had like three rushing first downs last game that's inexcusable you know for for a a program like this that for the most part all season long has been healthy enough to start all of their offensive linemen um, for the you know the great portion of the season so when you think about what they're having to overcome on the road This should be a confident SC team that know that you can hold off a team that has momentum and you can get off to a fast start on the road. Now, can you finally put a complete game together by getting healthier bodies back, guys that you trust to take pressure off of some of the inexperience that you're forced to have to rely upon? And if that's the case, and like you talked about, Keaton, Kristen, being able to reduce the amount of reps that he has or carries, you know, between, let's say, 10 to 15 carries, maybe five to seven catches out of the backfield, doing it that way is a lot more serviceable than having to rely upon him to carry the ball for 20 plus times. Again, um, it'd be interesting to see what happens this week in practice and what kind of pep in those guys' steps. How much you, how much production you get out of a healthier car in in Malapai is yet to be determined. But just having them in the rotation is going to be something else that Cal is going to have to focus on. Up until now, it's easy for them to have to just take away the passing game because that's the strength of USC.
0: Yeah, and and every sort of run between the tackles is just kind of a, a dent on Keenan Christen, so that if. It, it almost feels like that wear and tear maybe makes him less explosive once you can figure out ways to get him outside. Because the, the passing game at this point, it, it really feels like they're going to get theirs. So, I mean, every defense uh, has, has certainly watched the, the BYU film, the Washington film, all that. But it feels like, you know, with, with Keaton Slovis and with those wide receivers, they can figure that out. They, they've got to get a running game, a true running game, that you can balance off of. But you look at Keenan and he's averaging 5.6 yards a carry. I mean, it's not as if he's running into a brick wall every single time. He he is sort of chipping away on the ground, but getting more of a run game against Cal, a team that's pretty good against the run, that's going to be important. I think it's also interesting, you know, USC has this win on the road against Colorado, this win on the road against Arizona State. Neither of those are going, you know, front and center in terms of the, uh, you know, the the yearbook video at the end of the season of phenomenal wins, but you got to learn how to win on the road. And and the fact that USC has won their last two road games, I I think that's, again, a positive step for this team this year to show, yeah, we can do this after losing your first three uh and again the fact that cal is familiar and they know a lot of those guys i i do think it puts them kind of in a good spot to take that way <laughs> hey, to arizona yeah State. eric you
1: you may not want to hear this okay uh as many others may not want to hear this but quietly clay helton is kind of putting together a compelling resume and i say that because after 22 games he's back to 50-50, 11-11, okay, with those two wins you talked about on the road. That's what's really been hurting. them. It's not how they play at home. It's what they've been doing on the road that's been, um, uh, you know, that's just been really hurting them. But if, if you're Clay Helton and you're going to have a, an exit interview, you can make the argument that I'm a couple of more tweaks away of my coaching staff in this to turn this program around. You know, maybe replace Clancy at the defensive coordinator position. That's if you still love Clay Helton as a person. And you think that, you know, in this executive role, we are seeing great improvement on the offensive side of the ball. So not once all year have, at least I've said, what is this team's identity? I think it's clear what the identity is, um, you know, and with healthy bodies, you see how explosive this program can be, regardless of who's that quarterback. But, but here's the argument that Clay can make. Hey, I'm playing with a backup quarterback, one who didn't start for me last year. Look at the offensive firepower and prowess we're putting up. If I can make a change at the defensive coordinator position and tighten things up on special teams, I think that we can make a nice, compelling run. I don't want to see that, but it's there. And if they went out, it's going to be very, very challenging for, uh, for anyone who's listening to Clay's argument. Not to say, well, maybe you got a point. And and if you're Clay, that's what you're fighting for. You're fighting for that hope that, you know, your team continues to respond the way that they are, and you can just kind of stack wins, regardless of how they come, to give yourself a fighting chance to be the head coach at USC next year. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's still out there. And you got to factor all elements.
0: Yeah, I, I think Clay, is he's trying to say the right things, you know, for this team and, and to keep sort of morale up and, and to keep fighting. I, I'm not, I'm not going to touch, you know, if, if he has a chance to stay or, or if that's even on the table. I, I would be, I would be beyond shocked if anything could happen in these final two regular season games, plus the bowl game. And, you know, I, I guess, granted, there's an outside shot at a, uh, at a Pac-12 championship game, but boy, I, I would be shocked if this team could do enough or if, if Clay Helton could show enough uh, that, that makes new athletic director Mike Bone totally buy into him being the right answer. You saw kind of on the on the recruiting trail, which is something that Mike Bone brought up multiple times. All you've seen since then, Jack Yerry, uh, it, it almost doesn't matter how good he is or what position he plays. His last name is Yerry, that's a guy USC needs to be able to <laughs> hang on to once he's committed. Right. He, he commits. And it's, you know, is USC using the tight ends really at all this year? And, and does he see kind of a future there? Or, or is it, you know, his thoughts about the program? I think that at this point in the season where you are, you know, whatever whatever it is, five weeks, six weeks away from that early right. signing period – for that to be the momentum with recruiting right now, where, where you are just <laughs> losing guys and you cannot get a foothold to start putting that together. Yeah. I think that says just as much as kind of on-field results. And I think that's kind of why it's important to separate kind of Clay Helton's trajectory with what a lot of the players are doing. Because you look at, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., he's going to hit a 1,000 yard. Uh, receiving year this year he, he has you know a chance at double digit touchdowns he's got an outside chance at, at maybe a 100 catch season he has to average you know probably around 10 catches uh, over these last three games including the bowl game but you've got guys Tyler Vaughn's. you know we'll we'll check and see kind of what the extent of that injury is but he's at 750 you know receiving yards you, you've got guys that are putting together uh, good seasons John Houston is, is going to end up with 100 tackles. Uh, This year, he has two and a half sacks. So, so you like what some of the guys are doing. You like what that build is. I I just don't know if, and again, we can, we can hammer this uh, another time once it becomes (laughs) kind of more clear, but, but I, I feel like you can get sort of a, a boost. And I think the only way, I think the only way to give a true solid answer of the direction that the program is going is to to bring somebody else in and start at start at zero. Start and say this is where we've started, this is where we're going. Because yep. if Clay Helton comes back and if you continue there, there's so much kind of zigzag and up and downs and stops and starts in these last couple years where it's tough to to get guys and this is recruits specifically and and, and the fan base too, certainly. It's tough to get enough people to buy in to say there's a clear path forward and, and this is the way we're going because there's so many questions, you know, where it's, right, right, right. why couldn't you do this earlier? Why, again, and, and I've sort of mentioned it. It's not as if I get you're playing true freshman quarterbacks, but other programs have done that and done extremely well. Clemson, extremely true well, yep. Alabama, you know, that those kind of schools can play true freshman at quarterback and it is not a rebuilding year. You had recruiting classes in 2015 and 16 that, that kind of should be, Backbones for these last two classes or last two seasons, and uh, that that's where for me it really falls short is on two years where you shouldn't have had this kind of dip just by losing a quarterback and having to to replace him with, by the way, you know a, a five star guy last year and a guy who certainly is outplaying his recruiting ranking this no year. No doubt, no uh, doubt. That's kind of my big takeaway in terms of whenever kind of coach look look brought up <laughs>
1: and. And the, the very thought of USC kind of um, not really maximizing the position of tight end at a time when they already don't seem to have a fullback on the roster is just one additional area of the team that other teams who are game planning for USC don't have to account for. Okay, and so I I think you can get multiple and versatile just by your alignment with um, with that type of personnel. If you if you're actually featuring tight ends and the problem, like like you alluded to, it's not just what you're putting on the field to win games, but it's also the manner and the style by which you play and you win, because you're always auditioning for that next recruit to, to visualize and live vicariously and say, I can I can play in that system. You know, I think my skill set translates well. And right now we're not seeing enough of that. So, again, we're all anticipating that, you know, this is the closing of Clay Helton's career chapter at USC. And I'd like to see him go out with victories. Just sure. Because I think that this senior class deserves that. Yes. And I'd love to see, you know, kind of within that, that USC does uh, pay homage and they try to get guys like you, you mentioned Pittman Jr. and, um, and Tyler Vaughn's to those thousand yard clips, because at the very least, let's try to, if you're not playing for much other than that, let's at least try to get them off on a high note. Um, but beyond that, just getting guys healthy and back into the flow of this, I'm still curious to see what is the best version of this USC team. Can they finally put together four great quality quarters and, you know, and blow out a team the way that they should based on the amount of talent that they have? Otherwise, again, these dogfights, you just leave these variables up to circumstance. And that's what I think causes this team to go through so many stressful points. It's because when they should be on top of teams and they let them back in, now you leave the game to situations. And that doesn't necessarily bode well for what we've come to expect of Clay Helton in pressure situations.
0: Yeah, I think a potential for sort of a statement from the players this weekend, you look at last year. A loss to Stanford, a loss to Cal, a loss to UCLA. You lose to the three uh, in-state schools. Already a win over Stanford. You can finish kind of with, again, a a statement of it it is moving up uh, at at USC where you have Cal and you have UCLA. Uh, A couple programs that, again, would love to put together a a winning streak against USC and and kind of continue to bury them. So we'll, we'll take a look sort of at Cal, you know, later in the week and, and we'll break down that game. But I think, you know, overall thoughts coming out of Arizona State, it, it's a little bit more of the same where USC, they they tease you with what they can be and then they kind of pull out the gun and start shooting off toes uh, throughout the rest of the game. So they do come away with a 31-26 win uh, at Arizona State. They're going to keep their game on the road They go up to Cal this weekend for a late night, Saturday night game, 8 o'clock kick. So for Daryl Rideau, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast, Monday morning cornerback.